Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, and when you vote early, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media enthusiast, media personality, and Taylor Swift obsessed. Uh, Midnight's Meet Me There, baby. And I'm Terry Anelowitz, State House Representative in Georgia. I live in Cobb County. And maybe Taylor Swift is why so many women I've talked to are really tired today. <laughs> right, because it came, well, we're recording on the yes. day, it came out at midnight. But yeah, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I don't know if you, in my office, I have my Taylor Swift cardigan. That is a Taylor Swift cardigan. <laughs> I just thought it looked cozy, but of course, T-Swift is cozy. I bought that uh, with the last album she came out with, with the folklore and yes. the, the, all the other stuff. It's a good album. Um, so, all right, we are in, we're in the thick of it. Early voting has started in Georgia and record numbers of people have come out to early vote. I early voted already and I waited about 45 minutes at the Ponce Library. It wasn't too, too bad. But there are the turnout has been absolutely incredible. So shed some light on what's happening. So turnout is record setting for midterm early voting. Yesterday, statewide early voting numbers topped five hundred thousand. I think it's like five hundred and a hundred or five hundred eighteen thousand something. So we'll know, of course, when the polls close today for early voting what the total is for the first week. But it is absolutely going to be a midterm record setter. I have not voted yet. Uh, my husband voted on Monday because he he knows he's going to be out of town on election day. This is why you want to make your plan to vote and why you want to vote early if you can, because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to have a sick kid. You don't know if you're going to be sick. You don't know if the weather's going to be lousy and you might be like, eh, I don't want to go outside in that. On the day, I will note this, on the day that Roy Barnes lost the governor's race in 2002, it was a cold, rainy, nasty day. So I'm just saying. Make your plan. The weather's gorgeous right now. Great time to vote. But yeah, you, you never know what's going to happen. Your dog might puke on your shoes. Like, you don't know. So you want to vote now. Chris voted. He, it, it was the Smyrna Community Center, which is a really popular early voting site. He waited about 30 minutes or so. One thing that's happening in Cobb County, if you are a Cobb resident, go early vote because they are, the Secretary of State's office is running a pilot program and Cobb is one of just a handful of counties in Georgia and you don't fill anything out on paper. Everything is done through the poll pads. Oh. Yeah, so it makes the process, like you check in with your license, but you don't have to fill out the little piece of paper with your name and your address. You don't do any of that. It's all completely automated. And the feedback that I have been getting is that it is fantastic. Okay, well, it's. I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, um, we don't have to tell them. But at the same time, it's like my friend Courtney Wagner, I was walking by her house on my way to vote. And I was like, you got to make sure to vote. And she was like, that's like telling the Pope to pray. <laughs> right. Of course I'm voting. We're, we're doing some <laughs> choir preaching. But again, it's. I think too, it's, it's important for all of you listening, because again, we, all of y'all in the choir out there listening, to tell everybody you know that they need to go make sure to vote. Because I know like I have neighbors who are engaged citizens, but they're not thinking about totally, early voting all totally, the time. Totally, totally. So I've been doing that too. I've been trying to text a couple of people a day who I randomly to remind them to do it because it is important to vote. Now, 
I feel like there is a lot going on, Terry, in momentum-wise. I feel like people are just tired. Georgians are tired. We are being told to vote all the time. And then the polls, it's Dems in disarray all over again. And there is definitely polls not shifting in Democrats' directions. Is this a media narrative? Is this really happening? Does anybody really know? I don't think anybody really knows. It's hard for me to know because my world is so full of very active and engaged voters, but I know that everybody is tired of it. And this is a good reminder. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the gubernatorial debate also um, that happened earlier this, this week that we're recording. If you gave any fleeting thought for a hot second about voting for a libertarian, just don't. Just don't because it's not going to do anything except for force a runoff in some of these tight elections. And if you're tired now, just wait. Like just, I mean, if you think this is exhausting, if you're tired of the commercials, like a friend of mine yesterday, she said, I really miss like the Publix Thanksgiving commercials and the, all the right. Halloween commercials. Like I miss seeing those, like the little Reese's pumpkins. Everything is just political. I was like, well, if you want to get like those happy Publix salt and pepper shaker ads, you know, getting it on on your kitchen table, you need to make sure that you just make that binary choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't go I mean, third well, party. Well, and we can talk about this with our guests coming up, but about that um, Kemp Abrams debate. I mean, the libertarian Shane Hazel was was just, it's, I'm not even going to bother playing clips of him because, no. because it, but it I, they were both visibly rattled by the libertarian. And I noticed this in, um, in Jen Jordan's debate too with the Libertarian, it was just like, oh my God, why isn't it? There's another bald man just interrupting here. Right, like what is, who is this person? Why is his shirt unbuttoned? Why can't he wear a tie? And why is he so rude? Like I imagine there was, where there was probably maybe even some meaningful eye contact between Kemp and Abrams because I would have been, I would, I would have been making meaningful eye contact. Like it, it was weird. Okay, so the, one big story with Stacey Abrams running for governor, which really got my attention. And I really, I, I mean, I, I felt very triggered by it, Terry, because she was on MSNBC with Mike Barnacle being asked about um, abortion being economic. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. 
So we're both like nodding in agreement because, and and I couldn't believe that people were like, stick a fork in her, she's done. I felt like, oh my God, it is about time. She is framing it in this way because women know and understand that it is absolutely economic. And the ripple effects on it is going to affect everything in the job market, child care. I I, I don't understand why people are living on earth too, Terry. Right. No, that, and I, abortion is an economic issue, full stop. If, when a woman is trying to decide whether or not she's going to get, you know, going to terminate a pregnancy, if it is not a healthcare decision, which is also a very valid reason, if it is not a healthcare decision, it is almost invariably an economic decision. There are statistics and receipts to back this up, Stacey Abrams is 100% correct that abortion and the economy are inextricably linked. Furthermore, there are going to be economic consequences for overturning Roe for women. There is, you know, data that's, that's being put oh, you're forth. You're taking now. women out of the workforce. You're taking women out of the workforce, which I think is kind of the point for a lot of people. But uh, for, for a certain cohort of people, I honestly think that that is the point. They want women to be back at home. But, you know, if you look like Goodmacher Institute is a fabulous, G-U-T-T-M-A-C-H-E-R, fabulous, fabulous research organization. And their primary thing is women's reproductive issues. And they get down to the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of the data of why women seek abortions. And, you know, the most, 74% of women, it's because they're worried it's going to interfere with their education or their work or their ability to care for their dependents. And these dependents could be their parents, it could be other children. Most women who have abortions we know are already mothers. And it's that 73% that they cannot afford a baby now. Now, that's, that's a, those are real considerations. We know that childcare is an industry that is in crisis right now. We know that childcare is barely affordable for, for anybody. But if you're a family on the economic knife's edge, it's really not an affordable thing if you can find a provider in your area. We, we know it's economic. There, it, it is indisputable. And it, I was also really surprised when folks in the political world were like, I can't believe she would say that. Like, I'm like, of thank, course she's saying it I'm because like, it is thank economic. God she said it. Double down on saying it yes. because women know. I keep saying it. Women, women know. know. No, is it going to be enough? Uh, I don't know that I trust all women and that they're going to pull the lever for her because of whatever issues there are. But abortion is economic. And I can't even believe that that people it felt this way. Yeah. Okay. The other big story, which of course, you know, me and my kind trolling of Kelly Leffler over the years, which I've stopped doing because she's kind of irrelevant. Although I do like to check in on her Twitter feed because for me, it's like a comedy. It's like yeah. a comedy feed. We all have our hate follows. <laughs> so, so she got in a lot of trouble this week. Well, she didn't get and in a weird way, I did kind of feel bad for her. Like, I do have some empathy. I can't even believe I would say this, but all of her texts were somehow leaked to the AJC and a bunch of other yeah. news outlets, and and they were verified. And, like, that's 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 tough, man. Like, it's I hard. wouldn't want my... T- you know what I mean? Like, that sucks for her. Oh, God. Like, I... Yeah, I would not want my texts to be out there in the world... <laughs> I'm very, and it's something I'm cognizant of. We're like, there are, there are a lot of things that I will just only talk about over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we learned a lot from it where, first of all, it was uh, Trisha Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state's 
uh, wife uh, sent her, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, it was just like, I met you at a party. How dare you do all this stuff? I'm holding you personally responsible to anything that happens to me. And it was like, whoa. And I know how I felt when I've got like a passive aggressive tweet and how like you're sick to your stomach. Like, I don't know how you get a tweet like that and you can look it up and read it. And just like go to bed. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you keep going on about your day? And it was and and and, and to be completely clear, the Raffensburgers dealt with an unbelievable volume of hatred and vitriol and very specific threats and actual physical things happening. The Raffensburgers lost their son of uh, about four years ago, actually. They they their their son died. His widow's how home. Like the mother of their grandchildren, you know, his his widow's home was broken into. It's awful. Uh, it, it, it's, it's awful. It's crazy. But here's something else. He wasn't the only one to be getting these yeah. very specific, very targeted, very violent threats. B. Wynn was getting those threats. Jen Jordan was getting those threats. Elena Parent was getting those threats. Anyone who called into question that clown car cavalcade of bullshit nonsense that they were subjected to at the Capitol with those quote unquote hearings. Anybody who questioned what was coming out of those hearings dealt with that. So it's 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 just awful. So yeah. So but but I had pulled this because of course she's blaming it on the media, the media, blah 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 blah. But I I have I have she you know she's doing this um conservative version of you know fair fight and Stacey Abrams get out mm-hmm. the boat and she has a commercial out and former U.S. Senator Kelly Leffler. Georgia's new election integrity laws have made our elections the most secure in America. This November, every legal vote will count. Thanks to voter ID, monitored drop boxes, security paper ballots, ballot harvesting bans, and a new voter fraud hotline. Okay, that's that's as much as I can handle with that. But girl. So I took a media training class this past week. I love media training. I've, I've media trained people. I've been media trained multiple times. This is one of the, this was a really good media training class as part of a, yep. a leadership session yep. a seminar that I did. And one of the things that we were talking about were, you know, tone, tempo, you know, and I was like, Kelly Leffler, Kelly Leffler, Kelly Leffler. It's all I, mean, I can think of. But I think about what not to do with tone and tempo and cadence and warmth, like, yeah. She, bless her heart. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. But so, so yeah, so obviously she has now testified, um, the Department of Justice, I believe, she had to testify. And mm-hmm. obviously as we're talking today, I'm just, and we didn't talk about this, you know, Terry and I like to have a pre-interview when this is what happens when I talk to lawmakers like House Representative Terry Anulowitz and Senator Jen Jordan before we go on to things I should not bring up just in case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or I should not bring up what we should not bring up. Um, but I didn't run this by you, but Trump was subpoenaed today. Yes. Yes, he was subpoenaed. He was subpoenaed. So I want, here's what I wonder, and this is a two part for you. So on the one hand, um, are, are people going to be like, and it's right before the midterms, does this hurt, help? matter, not matter? Um, what do we think? Off the top of my head, I think it, and again, this is like having, you know, driving over here. Like I saw it when I was walking out of where I was before here on the TV. I I, I wonder if it's almost going to be a wash. It's going to mobilize the Trump people, but it's also going to mobilize the anti-Trump people. Okay. So I, 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 but again, that is like my initial off the cuff reaction. 
Um, Lindsey Graham yesterday, a judge, you know, the federal court, appeals court in Atlanta and a, a conservative, by the way, panel of judges uh, ruled that Lindsey Graham does have to testify also. Right. So, so what's a, what, here's what I think. I think Trump's not going to go down, but one of his people are. Oh, so someone's, oh yeah. So, somebody's going under the bus. Someone's going. So the second part of that is there's been a lot of media narrative to me, very frustrating about all this. There have been a lot of celebrities coming to Georgia who are stumping for Democrats. Lin Manuel Miranda. Said I say that? Lin Manuel Miranda. Okay. And then um, Oprah, who didn't come to town, by the way. No, she was. She was. She was like on Zoom. And also, in fairness, it's okay if people don't pronounce Lin Manuel's name properly because we have Manuel's Tavern here, (laughs) right up the road, and it's a big place. And so it's it's when you read it. It's it's like now when I read, like I order a, a, a cocktail that other people in other places would say Martinez. I'm like, Martinez. I <laughs> so I've lived in Georgia for that long. So, so, so you know, Kerry Washington's coming into town. So it's mm-hmm. in, uh, Obama's coming. And they're like, well, where's Joe Biden? Where's Joe Biden? How come Joe Biden's not coming? And my question is, Where's Trump? Where's Donald Trump? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when's the Trump rally? By the way, yeah, I you know I I don't know why the narrative is all about Joe Biden because he you know look, I'll let's put it out there you know he maybe is is he uh, you know baggage for Democrats because his approval ratings are low. Uh, but at the same time, so is Trump. So where is he? Right. He's, he's not stumping. And Biden's midterm approval ratings, I'm pretty sure on this stat, I don't think his midterm approval ratings are that far off from where most presidents' midterm approval ratings typically are. Right, right. Um, okay, so let's move on to Oklahoma. You know, last week we we talked to uh, um, Jennifer Welch, who it's, you know, one of my favorite people who I've never met. Um and there was a little, a great clip between there, this um, Joy Hoffmeister, who is running for governor against uh, Governor Stitt uh, and Kevin Stitt. And they had their debate. And this was really interesting because I think this is a point that is not being brought up en- enough uh, by Democrats. Yeah. Let's listen. Fact is... The rates of violent crime are higher in Oklahoma under true. your watch than it's in New true. York and California. That's a fact. Well, we'll have that oh fact checked gosh. by the frontier <laughs> superintendent. It's also a fact that medical Hang on, marijuana. Oklahomans, do you believe we have higher crime than New York or California? That's what she just said. Safety and security is my top priority, and it will be as governor. Okay, so a couple things with that. Number one, I love how even the moderators, like, they're there. Shut up, little yeah, lady. we're going to have to fact check that. <laughs> like, okay. I'm pretty sure she's got her numbers right. She's got receipts. No one's going to drop that statistic without having the receipts for it. And so, and then it's so funny as we're talking right now, I literally just got a text from Jennifer Welch in Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. Um, it's a political article that says, and it, the headline is, I haven't read it yet, which I will, Republicans launch rescue mission in Oklahoma governor race. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the polls flipped earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. She's now ahead in the polls. And I was actually, it, had the opportunity to meet and and befriend several legislators from Oklahoma. And we were talking about, you know, I was, I was like, I got to tell you guys, I'm following this race really closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is going on? And they're, it's interesting, you know, abortion 
seems to definitely be a factor. But another thing that keeps coming up when I speak to Oklahomans is vouchers and school vouchers. Yeah, that's interesting because when I looked at the breakdown of their polls, everybody else like the Senate is totally red, everything else, but then um, school- School school superintendent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the conventional wisdom and what I'm reading out of Oklahoma seems to indicate that that's going to go to the Dem. That's crazy. Which is is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, so So, I think there's a lot of factors happening in Oklahoma, but the polls have flipped and- what I'm seeing with voters on a lot of issues, whether it's like a cityhood issue, just like whatever the issue is, there is very much a when in doubt, do without kind of mentality that I think has, has emerged a little bit more. And I, I think that when you're talking about like with, like with the school superintendent, if, if there's a lot of confusion, if there's a lot of misinformation, if there's a lot of conflicting information about an issue, which seems to be happening with vouchers in, in particular in, in Oklahoma, People are going to hold back. They're going to they're going to not go with the person who wants to do the thing they're not sure about because it's better to give it time to even if they they think they want vouchers, they want to give it time to have it be in a way that they know is actually going to to work and to achieve what they want to achieve. And I think right now it seems like voters in Oklahoma have a lot of doubts. And uh, one of the you know we talked last week about. Native American voter mobilization. Right. And, and I think that's a very real thing that's happening in Oklahoma. It's, 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 it is really, really interesting. But, you know, it's, 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 I still think there's so much of nobody knows. There's two people who I'm following. <laughs> and maybe this is just like my total, like trying to be optimistic, Terry. But there's two people that I've been, that have, maybe they're crazy. One is this guy, Christopher Boozy on yeah. Twitter. And he keeps saying, everybody's wrong. Democrats are going to win everything. Save this tweet. I'll delete my account. So that guy. Okay. He's head of Bot Sentinel. He's yeah, like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love Bot Sentinel. I'm a huge Bot Sentinel fan. Okay. The other one is Michael Moore. Now, <coughs> you all right over there? I'm okay. 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 <laughs> so, uh, Michael Moore has been saying it's going to be a blue wave- I called it in 2016 with Trump. I told everybody Trump was going to win. No one wanted to listen. All the polls are wrong. You know, I, <laughs> I'm less convinced with on him. Okay. All right. All uh, right. You know what? I mean, from his, from his tweets to God's ears. Okay. Okay. We could be wrong because every other poll is basically like, Dems, you're dead in the water. Yeah, but we've discussed the flaws in the polling <laughs> yeah, on previous like, episodes of the Vote uh, Her podcast. Okay, before we get to our guest, I want to play a little bit of uh, Senator Jordan at her debate versus Chris Carr. I thought she was awesome. Let's listen to this. You need to ask the judges all over this state, including in Augusta and Macon, about how you and your office refuse to show up and prosecute some of the state's most dangerous criminals and street gangs. Ask my constituents about how you didn't show up when we asked for help, when we learned that Sterigenics, a company in my district, was emitting uh, carcinogen, and, um, and we weren't even told about it. And ask the people of Brunswick how you didn't show up to do anything about the failure to prosecute the murderers of that young man, Ahmaud Aubrey, until the video was released to the public. So there you go. There you go. Slapping it down, Jen. She's laying it down. I watched it live. And mostly, shout out to Brett Parker, who did her her hair that morning. Her hair (laughs) looks really good. It looked really good, right? Gotta have your hair on point. It was very smooth and shiny. No, it's actually true. This This is a factor for women. It's actually an economic factor for women in public office. Totally. It is. 
It, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, the guy, uh, guys can wear the same blue suit over and over and over again. And it yep. does not matter. Nobody's saying you just change up the tie women. You have to wear something different every single day. Every There's single day. so much scrutiny on it. And especially like, you know, you've got, you need to have an outfit for like the pick or the public speaking thing when you're at a podium. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of expense. Makeup is a factor. Yeah, hair and uh, makeup. Oh yeah, hair and makeup are a thing. It's Wired actually had a really interesting economic breakdown of how much more it costs women to be in the professional yeah. workplace than men. Totally. All right. Well, uh, talking about professionals, we've got someone who's at the way top of her game with big, big experience, especially yes. when it comes to debates and politics. So let's move on to that. So our guest today is journalist Donna Lowry, and you see her on Lawmakers on Georgia Public Broadcasting. And she is a total media goddess in Atlanta. She I mean, is. journalist, <laughs> uh, debate moderator, Girl Scout. Girl Scout leader, education policy expert. And she is here with us today. Donna, you are coming off a, a, a very exciting run of hosting the Atlanta Press Club debates. How is that? It was amazing. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you get, you have, uh, you know, I was nervous about. And um, it was something I wanted when the Atlanta Press Club makes the decision. Uh, you know, we all want the, the really good races. And so you don't put your hat in the ring or anything like that. The Atlanta Press Club and Georgia Public Broadcasting makes the decisions. And so I, I was just secretly hoping I'd get something as big as this one with, um, with Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And so I got this gubernatorial debate and I was excited about it. And then uh, as it got closer and I realized how much pressure was on me, I had that be careful what you wish for kind of feeling. <laughs> I thought, oh my, all eyes are going to be on this. And uh, so, and, but in the end, you know, I, I have nerves leading into it. And, and then once I'm in the middle of it, I'm calm, you know? So it went, it went well on my end, although I still wasn't sure how I was coming across until after it was all over. I thought you came across as someone who handled everything that, because you really had to moderate in that, yeah. in that debate. Yeah. And I, I was like, yes, obviously she is a professional and she is a, a woman who is not going to be spoken over. And I really respected how how you handled it because you you were put in some really tough positions as a moderator. Thinking, I thought to myself, I was like, "Well, it's good thing she's a Girl Scout leader because she's using all of the skills that you that you that you do when you have chaotic meetings of adolescents." To, to- Absolutely, I'm like I had to draw on my years, my 14 years as a Girl Scout leader, and my uh, mama mode that I have with my uh, children. Uh, in all of this, and it's, it is, it is kind of, you know, one of those things where you still want to keep the professionalism. So I didn't, I didn't go, you know, to the level that I normally would with, uh, with my children, but I did have to make sure they understood that we wanted to cover a lot of material. That's the main thing. I mean, the, the purpose of the debate, and I know there's some controversial whether debates are relevant anymore and that kind of thing. But the purpose for the Atlanta Press Club of debate is first to showcase all the candidates on the ballot. And that's controversial, too, because there are people who feel like we should only look at the two top vote getters in, in, in terms of polling. 
But the feeling with the Atlanta Press Club is that everybody, everybody on the ballot should have a chance. You should get a chance to see who you're looking at, not just the two-party candidates. So there's that. And then just being able to give people an idea of as many different issues as possible. And so I knew that was the main goal, you know, was to make sure that we covered as much material as we could. But there's the debate aspect, too, of course, because you want them to go back and forth also and give us a good idea of how they feel, not only about each other, but about the issues and how they relate to each other, which is always the interesting part, right? Okay. So uh, so there, it's a delicate balance on trying to make sure all of that comes through. And of course, in this case, um, the libertarian candidate wanted to make sure people knew that he was on the ballot. Well, he did that. And, <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I, he definitely I, I, did. I'm curious, you, you know, you obviously worked um, with 11 Alive in, in, uh, here in Atlanta for so long. And you, you've had such experience covering politics and for over 30 years. Talk to me how you feel things are different now than maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Sure. I, you know what? I, at 11 Alive, I covered education, which is a big pol- part of the political landscape every single year uh, because it's the biggest thing. Terry knows this is the biggest thing, the biggest amount of money out of the, the, the pot for the state. Um, a budget comes out of education. So I always spend a lot of time there. This is, things are different because politically we're a more divisive country. And so that makes it really difficult. And the other thing that's the big player is social media. So I will tell you that the, the fact when we go on, we're doing our job, but there are people who are not going to be happy on, on either side. Um, one of our panelists, right now is dealing with um, people who are not happy with one of the questions he asked in the, the debate and have uh, gone on national media talking about him. So he, uh, so that's the, the, the um, I, I don't want to know if it's scary, but it is the challenging part of all of this is understanding that it's a different world from the, certainly the journalism I came into years ago and the journalism that I love so much and that's being challenged by people in a way they never, they never have challenged it before. And also the way people look at the media now is totally different and who people consider part of the journalism fabric is different. For instance, there are people who just pick up a microphone and ask questions and call themselves journalists. Right, 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 right. right. And so that they have um, changed exactly the, the they've changed the way people look at us as well, journalists and especially all, and yeah. what I wanted to just interject really quickly before Terry gets to her question you covering education for for both Eleven Alive and GPB school boards have become yeah. yes. so political this is just like it's on another level. It's unbelievable. And um, it's funny you should ask because I have another show. So I do lawmakers during the the 40-day legislative session. We have another show called Lawmakers Beyond the Dome where we look at the the laws now in effect and how they are affecting people. Our next show coming up November 14th will be about education. And we're we're really focusing on what is the, the battleground for in education issues, especially with the cultural wars 
is in the school board meetings, and they're having a really tough time. Forsyth County is dealing with a lawsuit filed against it after it's changed its policies, and they took, they have banned a couple of people from being able to speak to them. So that is, that's a totally different way of uh, looking at things. And it's, it's taken an area of government that people don't pay much attention to, which is, you know, especially when they go to the ballot, they're like trying to figure out, okay, which person should I pick for school board, uh, for, um, to be on the school board and all they're not paying it. Well, now people are really paying attention to that. And they are, there are groups that are fielding their own candidates. And those kinds of things. And so that that's really changed the way education uh, is not only covered as for journalists, but the way it's perceived by people who are um, kind of watching all of this play out. Yeah, well, I mean, Cobb is, is, you know, the second largest public school district in the state of Georgia, second to Gwinnett, and the biggest, most high-profile election happening in Cobb County right now is absolutely one of the school board races. That is taking place it, it, without, without question, without question. And it yeah, is. Isn't that something? Remember when people didn't know, you know, we used to complain that people didn't know who their school board members are and now they're very much into it. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't followed Terry. I haven't followed that one as much as, um, as you probably have from that area. But I know that there are other areas of the state that are really, really dealing with, um, belligerent people who mm-hmm. are, you know, actually rude at school board meetings. Um, to mention Cobb County again, I worked, when I first left 11 Alive, about six weeks later, I worked for Cobb County School District. So, and That's I was communications right. director. Yes. That's right. I, I remember and that. I also, uh, for, I also worked for about nine months for the, the um, Fulton County Schools mm-hmm. as their um, chief communications officer. So that, my department, was over public comment. Um, I can't even imagine what that job would be like right now, oh, dealing yeah. with no. the whole uh, public comment policies and things like that. Yeah, because I feel like it's just, it. it's a really tough, and I think probably very interesting thing for you to cover because this whole parents' rights um, yeah. movement, mm-hmm. I find to be very troubling. I don't understand this because... I. <laughs> I am having a hard time getting my 17-year-old son to read anything at, <laughs> at all. So the idea of of taking these books out of, of uh, you know, do you think that some of these parents are really in touch with their kids? Or, if you can answer that. I, 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 I wonder about that myself. I don't know. What, what's curious about this, and I interviewed a uh, woman who's very much a part of the movement recently for the, the uh, show that we're doing. And I said, and she said, well, the books are in the library. So I'm going to, you know, so we're, we should be reading them because our kids can read them. Well, she's not, she doesn't have a child in the school, first of all. That's right? what I mean. Um, yeah, she's, that's... Not, she's in the district and that's that whole, I'm a taxpayer thing is a big deal. Um, but the, but the other, um, the, the other part of it is, the books that they're reading aloud are not necessarily books that our kids would pick up, right? So right. why why do you expose it to the general public through live streamed meetings? Uh, and in certain districts, it's also on cable television. And when when we're not going to actually read it, like I I didn't. And I said to her, I said I wouldn't have read that book, you know, that she mentioned. 
And she said, well, it's in the library. And so we should be able to use the words and describe them and read exactly what our kids are reading. And I find it offensive just on a personal level. I just find it like I listening to them read the words and just being thinking, oh, my goodness, I just can't believe they're saying those things. Uh, very um, delicious. It's just uh, it, well, it is. And they're yeah. hard to take. And they're, and they're yeah. taking books out of the context of what an overall literature class is trying to teach these students. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's very troubling because part of what, you know, part of the goal, I in my view, of, of teaching literature especially is teaching students how to strengthen their critical thinking skills and to understand the context with which, a, what, you know, when was this book written? What is the background of the Arthur writing? What, what, what is the worldview to which they are coming to this piece of literature? And when you study literature in that way, you can then apply that to anything else you're going to be, anything else you're going to be studying. And so, and, and also just anything else you, any other bit of information you consume. And so it is, it's troubling to me when these parents do, they, they, they find so, like a passage that's so specific. They remove it from the context of the book. They remove it from the context of the author and they find it to be offensive. Well, anyone can do that in anything. I mean, that's, it's, but, but they are here and, and talking about this public comment and the public comment policies, it's this real tenuous intersection of public civility, but also First Amendment. And so yeah. I feel like it gets really tricky for, for these school boards. There, there's someone who ho- I hope is coming into the state Senate in SD6, with which Jen Jordan currently occupies, Jason Estevez. And I Part of, I mean, one, he's a, just a fantastic human being, but also he served on the Atlanta Public School Board for many years. And I think his perspective would be something that we, his perspective is something that we, I think we really need in the General Assembly. The, the tough part is getting people to listen. The, the people who are part of these movements are, um, well, first of all, they're coming nationally. The one woman I spoke to has our national group. The national group is based in Georgia. But it is, they are, they have a specific agenda on how they want this to play out. And, and the lawsuits are part of it. So it'll be interesting. But they do, they, they are the ones who really are promoting the First Amendment on all of this, right? Mm-hmm. We, we should be able to say what we want. And yet, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it is really difficult to, to listen to them talk about that and basically disrupt the board meetings and the, the purpose of things uh, when um, when they're trying to get their points across and they're they're just so focused on that and then getting angry on uh, you know at it and so the then the other part is the people who are coming in and saying I don't want to watch a board meeting and listen to dirty language please right. ban all of this right and then there are kids who attend those board meetings as mm-hmm. you know because usually. They are getting some award for something right. from maybe something that they did well. They, we had one where um, where the the um, one of the people I interviewed is a young woman who decided to speak. Her parents are both teachers, and she decided to speak at a meeting. And I'll be honest with you, you don't hear it on you don't hear it in the meeting, but you hear a guy at one of the board meetings talk about it later. One of the board meeting one of the board members actually uh, called her a name. Um, oh. And had something bad to say about her, yeah, and um, and the one of the one of the school districts, and so it was. And I, you know, when I talked to her, I said, "Well, how did you feel about that?" And she um, actually, she, I'll, I'll just say it. She was called a dimwit. The board member, an adult, called a fifteen-year-old yeah, child, 
a dimwit after she spoke and said, I think, uh, you know, I, I really love reading books. I always have. I think this is censorship. And she actually had done her homework and talked about history mm-hmm. and where book bannings have caused problems. The whole bitch was very well spoken and very, you know, and I know she was nervous. Um, for for her five minutes, did a good job, and afterwards, the board member called her a dimwit. Well, that's and a, sh- that's a grown up, a grown up, the it's person, chilling. yeah, Ugh. the person who's supposed to be an advocate for the students and the families and their in their school board district. Well, and that's what I see. What's happening in a lot of these meetings is that the students are starting to speak up too, and the students are, you know, they're they're claiming their rights back, um, which is which is another interesting trend. But we're going to have to keep our eye on it. I want to change gears a little bit. You being a Girl Scout leader, I mean, you're a big advocate for that. And um, we just read that eighty five million dollars was donated to the Girl Scouts from Mackenzie Scott. What are your thoughts on that? Isn't that incredible? I'm excited. I am thrilled. And it is wonderful to know that there are, you know, people at her level who are looking at Girl Scouts and understanding the importance of putting money into those areas. I I don't know if uh, you remember, Terry, during the legislative session, someone, there were a few lawmakers who offered bills who said, the reason we need to teach things like first aid and things like that in in schools and, and legislate that is because Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and some of these programs are not doing it. These programs are important and That's they right. are they're changing the lives of girls. I have girls who I've had from I've had from fifth from five years old on who are now doing amazing things at the college level and beyond. And I'm just so proud of them. And they and they the thing that really makes me feel good is the ones who will who will write me and say, hey, I know you talked a lot about public speaking and you talked a lot about this, Miss Donna, and now I'm realizing how important that was. And, I, you know, one of them had brought me to tears. Oh, that's <laughs> so fantastic. That. So it's so great that um, that this money is coming into Girl Scouts and it's going to make a difference. There are parents these days who are just not putting their girls in Girl Scouts the way they used to because they don't understand the importance. And I hope this helps turn things around. I hope so, because I, I agree. I've, I've had my girls since they were five years old. I will, the pandemic was when they were in middle school, they were at the cadet level of Girl Scouting and it was really hard. It was really hard to keep everybody motivated and to keep everybody going and, and honestly to keep myself motivated. And now yeah. they're in high school <laughs> and we're sort of you know rejuvenating ourselves because there is so much for them to learn and there's so much for them to they, I think Girl Scouts is a really important way to help girls understand what opportunities are out there for them and to connect them with the people and the organizations and the entities where they can figure out, you know, one, what their place is in the world, how they want to contribute to this world, how they want to improve this world and how, and they, you know, how they grow along the way. I'm, I'm excited. I hope that our council gets some of that money. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. I didn't reach out to the council to find out, but you know, I've got girls who have. Uh, I have one at Stanford right now. Oh wow! One who one who's graduated from Vanderbilt. Wow. Georgia Tech. Let's see. Um, I've got uh, one at uh, one who just went to the White House on an initiative uh, dealing with um, reproductive rights. Oh, I She's love it. She's in college, it. and yeah, down in Louisiana. Uh, I have a couple at Howard and. Uh, Florida A and M, so they they are doing they are doing fantastic work, and I, like I said, it's so gratifying to me to know that they feel like Girl Scouts made a difference. 
I love that. I love that. They are. Women empowering women. Okay, final thought for you, Donna Lowry. You, I, I, I wanted to tell you that when I watched you in the debates, I loved your dress. It was a fabulous, like, green color. It was this beautiful, beautiful shade of green. And you looked so fierce. Thank and, you. And Terry and I were just talking about this. And I wanted you to weigh in. Um, before we talk to you, we were talking about how it is so much more expensive to be a woman yeah. in politics or broadcasting or, or the career world. Uh, and so can you talk a little bit about like the thought you put into your look and <laughs> for that event? I love, I love that you're asking this question and you're so right about the cost and the whole bit. And I spent weeks working on it. And it's, you know, that's in my thing now is I, I, I just am not to the point where I want to go in the stores a lot. So I had a bunch of things just come to the house and mm-hmm. I did, I have daughters who are adults. Uh, well, my youngest who just graduated from UGA is, is really the fashionista. And so I did a fashion show uh, for them of the, of the clothes. And so she's the one who picked that dress. I was going to revert back to something. And I'm usually like a, um, I, some kind of a jacket and a, you know, blouse kind of thing. And she's like, nope, you're wearing this dress. And, um, and the other tough part is picking colors. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you guys have thought about it. So I, I don't, I can't wear red. I can't mm-hmm. wear blue. Right. Right. Because I don't want to look as though I'm leaning one way or another. And so that's why it it was very, very tough finding it. And then finding something affordable and saying, is this something I'm going to wear again? You know? Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She picked it and she said, that's the green. And then my other daughter said, I need you. She goes, yeah, that looks good. I need you to go sit at a counter similar to where you're going to be sitting. And then Make sure your feet, you feel comfortable. Right. And take some pictures to yeah. see how it looks. So it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I love it. I, it's true because if you're sitting there the whole time, if it's hitting you the wrong way, if it's uncomfortable, that's going to affect your performance and what you're doing as a broadcaster or a moderator for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And where, where, you, where it might bunch up, where are you going to attach the microphone? <laughs> This is thank why you. I just love you guys. So first of all, <laughs> thank you for the compliment on this. But I think this is so important. And, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about. Nope. But it's very important. It is. I have had microphone boxes attached to my Spanx before. Yes, yeah, that's just a thing see, we do. We've all been there. Donna Lowry. Yes, boob check. Donna, <laughs> listen, that's why we call this the Vote Her Podcast because we can all relate I to this. Thank you so much. Everybody watch Donna on GPB. A lot coming up, a lot of conversations. We are so honored to have you and thank you so much for your service in everything that you do. And, um, I, I, you know, we just can't wait to see you yeah. in person to give you a hug. Beyond the Dome thank is you. very exciting. Thank you both so much. Thank you for all you're doing too. I, I told... Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, did we lose you? You still there, Donna? I am. Okay, okay. good, good, good. I'm, yeah, I'm well, a fan girl, so I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you, Donna. I love Donna Lowry. I love her. I'm glad she liked that question about the dress. I am too. <laughs> it's an important. It's an important issue, and it's something that we all think, like all, but we all, all women think about. 
all the time. And I thought about the color thing. When I saw that gorgeous green, I was like, she knew exactly what she was doing. She put a lot of thought into this. Yes. And she looked so, so good. So you guys can, you know, of course, Google it and you can see what we're talking about or visualize it if if you watched it. Okay. So that was really interesting, especially the school board stuff, because that is just like, you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's going to amplify because some of these, I mean, a lot of these people who these, these groups are very organized. They're national. They are extremely well-funded. They are stealthy. So a lot of times they're putting up candidates that people, even people who are big supporters of these candidates, don't realize that there is some large group behind some of some of these, these candidates. And there, a lot of these folks are going to be taking office on school boards around the country. And What's going to be interesting to watch over the next few years is what's going to happen. Is there going to be a backlash? Is like the rubber band of of these parents who are supporting these, the, are, are they going to be stretched so far when they see how disrespectful some of these school board members are going to be to teachers, to parents, to students? Is it is it going to bounce back and will there be a correction? Or by then, you know, you'll have the benefit of incumbency for some of these folks. So it's going to be interesting and kind of scary to see what happens on these school boards. Well, I've heard f- from people about you, Terry, that when people get in your face about that, that, that you are not one to be messed with. That might I've, be fair. I, I've heard, I've heard that you're very good at ma'am, ma'am. It's because I'm, I'm a Girl Scout leader. Excuse me, ma'am. Like I heard a story about oh you. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but someone who was witnessing you when you were being confronted by something and when everybody wanted to run away, you got right in it. You like, you're like hornet's nest, open it up, ma'am. <laughs> I said, good day. Yes. Okay. So while we're talking about books, I want to give uh, the books you shouldn't read. I mean, that that's the stuff that I love talking about because again, I am begging my son to read anything like I'm I, anything. Just, I'm like, you know, um, I am reading this book uh, about the Falwells. You know, I have an obsession with oh, yeah. Christian corruption is one of my favorite topics. Um, it's really, I think I'm so fascinated with it because of hypocrisy in general. All hypocrisy interests me because, you know, how the way people double down on stuff. So this book is called Off the Deep End, um, and it's by Giancarlo Grada, a.k.a. The Pool Boy and the Falwell Scandal with Mark Ebner. And it's about the collapse of the evangelical dynasty, and it just tells kind of the whole story. And there's going to be a special coming out on Hulu. Maybe we'll talk to Mark about this. That'd be great. But this was, there was um, a quote from this book that really fascinated me so much that I wanted to read about, like, about, I think it's where we are in in just American politics in general. And um, talking about evangelicals and the Falwells, they said they're consummate liars. Their lifestyle demands it of them. And the longer you're around them, uh, the better their lies sound, and finally you start to lie to yourself. Don't you feel like we're like that with all politics these days? Yes. Certain things. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like the the analogy somebody used during the Trump years where you go to like the most posh, expensive, renowned restaurant in your city and they serve you a pile of dog vomit and you're like, it was really good. Because you you have you're trying to lie to yourself yeah, basically yeah. about how like you know because like, you you put yourself out there yeah and you don't want to acknowledge that you've been taken 
Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of restaurants, you've heard about the James Corden stuff. Oh, yeah. So if, if you haven't, um, you know, there's a restaurant in New York City called Balthazar. By the way, I've been there. It's great. It's classic. You know, it's you're not going to... Classic New York. It's not going to knock you out. But if you, you know, you want some good French food, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, but um, apparently the servers were like completely dissing James Corden that he was a terrible, terrible diner and sent things back and wasn't very nice. And the owner of the restaurant did like a whole like manifesto about how horrible he was, which P.S. I absolutely loved. Because I think if people can go on Yelp or mm-hmm. uh, Google reviews and they trash restaurants for whatever, why not trash a bad diner? And um, he apologized. And man, I've heard James Corden's awful. Uh, so I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any. any yeah, he has any a reputation of being on him. Kind of awful. Kind of a jerk. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing in restaurants. You're a public figure, man. It's just, you know, that's, that's, that's a weird thing. You are. Well, and it's also just, be gracious, be nice. I mean, especially like, you know, what, what happens that we're all in this together and, you know, restaurant workers are, are essential. And, and because, you know, we know that part of the reason that it's, it, the restaurant industry is hurting so much is because it's so hard to, for them to find staff. I know when I go to a restaurant, I go out of my way to be gracious and kind as a diner because these, it's a really hard job. Yeah. that these folks have. And they're doing, like they're working much harder than, they, than they've ever had to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... Um, and just uh, be kind. Like, you should just be kind anyway. It doesn't matter what the job market's like. You should just be a kind, gracious person. I mean, yeah. If like you order the salmon and they bring you the chicken, be like, I am so sorry. I actually ordered the salmon. But, but <laughs> don't uh, put your fit. Don't, you know... Uh, I, 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 I know. It's just, I love stories like that. Oh, totally. It's just so good. All right. Anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? No, well, somewhat related to, to, to James Corden and Broadway. Uh, someone tweeted, John Fugel saying, I don't even know who this person is, but he said, breaking, Herschel Walker holds up Patty Lupone's equity card, claims he's authorized to play Evita. And if you are like me and you are following everything hashtag GA poll, Georgia poll, and you are also following everything Broadway drama, you were like, this just scratched that itch. Because the backstory is that an actor in Hades Town was, got in trouble for chastising an audience member. The audience right, member was right. holding up a, it was deaf and was right. holding up a, 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 <laughs> a closed captioning device. This person in the cast of Hades Town, great musical, check it out. Listen to this, listen to the cast recording. It's wonderful was, you know, was like, called this person out. Well, apparently, and when this, when that cast member was going through their public shaming, uh, a lot of people dragged <laughs> Patty Lapone into it because Patty Lapone is known for, among many things, being spectacular. She is taking audience members' cell phones. Patty Lapone's like, leave me out of this. I'm not even in equity, which is the Broadway Actors Union. Um, so a lot of people brought, read this tweet. They're like, I don't know what they're talking about. But that's what they're talking about. And the tweet brought me a lot of joy because it, it linked Herschel Walker's Paw Patrol badge <laughs> to uh, Patty Lapone being Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think that badge is benefiting him. I think they I think it was it was staged as a social media moment and they're they're cashing in on it. Uh, I so I I you know, uh, it's 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 listen, there's a lot for me to unpack with all of that. Yeah. So I don't want to give it any attention. But anyway, I will give Patty Lapone attention and I as she merits. And she deserves it. You know what we forgot to play that I just pulled up? Um, this saucy Santana no vote no voting. No, no. Oh, yes. Are you all right with me playing? Uh, yes, that? I am. 
I'm gonna fade this out because it's there's yeah. a, there's some there's some there's some crazy stuff in this song, but no voting. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're listening to this with, with young ears, you might have wanted to put your mouth on. Sorry about that. By the way, okay, so thanks, Christina Larger, for uh, producing our show. And uh, hang on, I'll just um, and we'll talk to you again next week. Go early, though. Yeah, don't stop now. Stop my ballot box.